What's up, guys? Connor O'Hanlon here for another episode of the Con O Show. And today, we're going to be talking about um, three different things, at least planned. As you guys all know, I do go on these tangents whenever we talk about specific issues. And um, today's going to be no no exception to that. So buckle in. You're going to hear the ramblings of a madman. But... (laughs) um, but we're going to start with uh, three different topics, and we'll see where we go from there. Um, so we'll see if I have to take two breaks. Hopefully, I just have to take one. But if I have to take two to make sure everything fits, I apologize, and I'll let you know in advance before you hear the music. Um, with that, we're going to talk about the coronavirus vaccine, um, its distri- distribution, its approval, and we're going to tie that into the social contract. That's actually where I want to spend a lot of the time today because of discussions that I've had and some interactions that I've had in regards to it. And this is not going to be calling out any uh, specific people because there's a lot of people with the same exact uh, concerns. And this is not lit. This is literally not just one person that has said this to me. This is a few people. So again, um, be be that as it may, don't feel if you are listening to this that I'm coming at you or I'm talking about you or whatever. This is literally disconnected from any single person's point of view. It's just a like, hey, I've seen this on the internet kind of thing and let me talk about my opinion on that. Then we're going to talk about <clears throat> the EMT story that uh, I guess it was the New York Post was talking about an EMT uh, making an OnlyFans. And that might not seem like it fits here um, on this show because I don't normally talk about that kind of stuff, but uh, you'll see how that fits in a little bit later. And then lastly, I uh, I considered talking about this, and I'll bring this up a little bit later too. Um, I talked about, I considered talking about this two weeks ago when it came up originally, but the uh, Jimmy Dore... Uh, drama, and if you don't know who Jimmy Dore is, we'll get into that later. Um, the Jimmy Dore drama and this other drama surrounding Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, which, of course, if you can't see, I am wearing one of her shirts, so you can imagine where I stand on the situation. And I think I did that in per- on purpose because this shirt came in yesterday and I wanted to show it off. But we're going to discuss that in uh, a little bit more, obviously. Now, if you're watching the show, you might notice that I'm messing around with the lighting. Uh, I forgot one of those uh, charging cords to the wall. So I don't have a ring light going on today. So maybe I'm a little less harsh on the the lighting. So if you guys want to have sent, send me some suggestions on what to do. Uh, Again, I do all this stuff myself. So I don't really know. I definitely don't know everything. Uh, I'm also not wearing headphones, so if I'm very loud today, I apologize, but I didn't want to mess up my hair, uh, which it sounds funny, but because I'm in here alone, I don't think I need the headphones, so another another just caveat there for production-wise and some house cleaning for the show, but we'll go actually into what I'm supposed to be talking about, which is politics, um, and we'll start with the coronavirus vaccine. As of now, you may have noticed that we're in a global pandemic. <laughs> um, on a more serious note here, three, like about 300,000 people have already died from coronavirus um, in 
this past year, just in the United States. We've had millions and millions of cases. Um, I work from home right now because of this. Millions of people work from home. Millions of people have lost their jobs. Millions of people have lost their health care. Um, we'll get into that side of the critique in a second, but for now, we're going to have some good news, and that is the approval of distribution and vaccination of millions of people, um, not distribution of people, distribution of vaccines for millions of people. Again, sorry, 6 a.m. here, um, <laughs> but uh, I use that excuse every week. You'd think I'd get better at it, but um, the distribution of the vaccination hopefully to millions of people. That's the good part. And we can thank, um, you know, all the scientists, all the students, all the companies that worked on it. And we can also thank the public good, the public, and this is going to tie in in a second again. We can thank the public for funding the research. Now, why do I say that? Well, specifically when we talk about the Operation Warp Speed, which is the Americanized version of how we spent and increased, uh, how we spent money and increased our spending budget for um, the vaccines and how we started funding them for different companies and some companies got funds and some companies didn't. Now, Pfizer is the one that's approved right now in the U.S. Now, I think the Moderna one is probably going to be uh, uh, approved within the next couple of days, most likely, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll take a little bit longer. Maybe by the time I'm, I'm posting this, it's already done. But um, they will be out. There's probably going to be more, um, and we can rejoice in that creation. Now comes the, the big, but, and you know, not a, not in that way. It's, it's, it's a bad way. (laughs) It's a, uh, uh, we, we're, we're, we're almost there, but we're about to go into an unprecedented period of time with cases, with deaths. Currently, as of right now, we have 3,000 people a day dying from coronavirus. And like I said, we had about 300,000 people that have died. This is no joke. And the cases, honestly, are not going to slow down between now and the new year. And they pro- they might not, probably won't even shut, like, st- uh, stagger after that. We have seen... I'm trying to be concise about some of this stuff here. We've seen attempts to cut back the cases and cut back the deaths... While we wait for this vaccine to be distributed. But the 
impatience, I suppose, of some people will be a major impediment to the success of the vaccine. And that's not to say that the vaccine's not going to work. And that's going to be, that's going to be, we're going to talk about that in a second. But it's more to say, if you are unwilling to wait for the distribution and actually get the vaccine out to people and you just want to go about your normal life, then you're going to inherently put people at risk. Now, you can do things. We've talked about this before. We can do things safely. We can talk small gatherings. We can talk meeting with your family. You can do certain things as long as you're smart, right? And I... um. I, I just think it's short-sighted. Um, and and uh, again, I will put in the caveat that... So, uh, before I put the caveat in, I'm talking about businesses staying, staying open during this time. Um, when Pennsylvania is supposed to be shutting down certain things like restaurants and gyms and all that stuff. I understand chasing a dream, right? I understand starting your business. I understand risking it. I get it. I'm not downplaying it. But the rage, the just the pure anger and hatred towards, I mean, like Governor Wolf, are you serious? Come on. You're mad because he's closing things down more so than you are about the 3,000 people that have died. You're more mad about you not being able to go to the gym. And this is not necessarily to the gym owners. Again, I empathize with that position. I don't have a business that does that. Not in person. Um, so I don't, and I almost did take that risk, but I don't have that because I wasn't able to get the funding to begin with. Um, so I empathize with the owner's situation for all gyms, for all restaurants, but the give and the take is not worth it. And the, if you want to be mad, which I think you're right to be mad about some of this stuff. Don't don't project that rage onto the governor when the governor is trying to save lives, when the federal government is not. The federal government has the opportunity to pay you as a business owner and you as a worker. Now... I view things a lot of the times from the worker's perspective because most of us are not the owning, uh, the owners, and most of us, which I'll talk about a little bit later, aren't the quote rich. We're not the top one percent. Because genuinely speaking, if you're in the top one percent or point one percent, you're gonna be fine right now. Even if you're a business owner that has your restaurants closed or whatever. 
if you're that if you have that much wealth you're all right but for the average working middle class person maybe you made it and you your dream was to make this restaurant or this gym i get it i understand but the ire should be pointed towards the federal government who is trying to undercut all every single dollar that could be spent on you on your business on your workers and on me and on every single person in my family you know it extends way wider because the federal government has the power for that the state government is trying to reduce the harm i i really can't emphasize this enough like we, we are allowed to be angry. We're allowed to be mad. We're allowed to think that locking down sucks. We're allowed to think that wearing a mask sucks. We're allowed to feel crappy right now. But the, the pointing of the, the blame and of the rage and of the anger and of the hate, it shouldn't be pointed at the state government because they can only do so much. They can't pay all your workers necessarily. They can't do all these things without the help of the federal government. And the federal government can and should do it. They went from a $3.2 trillion spending bill now down to less than $900 billion because of what? Because of what? What did they cut out? And they're still going to give corporate liability um, protections. They're still going to give the, their giveaways to their their buddies. You and I want to, you know, look, I, I have a job. I'm okay right now. But I wasn't a couple months ago. I, you know, I live at home. But, like, I didn't have a job a couple months ago. I, I really could use that when I needed it, that unemployment insurance. And then I got a job, and then I got another job. But for that short period of time, it really helped me. It really helped me help me pay down my loans. It really helped me go out and get, literally go get protein bars when I needed them. During the lockdown, which is the only thing I went out for. It helps. It genuinely is so necessary to be giving these people that need it the help they need. And guess what? You can give it blanket without making it. You can go, okay, everyone gets the 1200 bucks, and the unemployment insurance is, is extended. We still give them $600 a week. And actually, we'll give them $2,000 a month because for everybody just because we can. And then, you know, you can... You can do something in the form of helping out uh, the uh, big corporations that you want to help out. And this is not to you necessarily that I'm talking to. This is to our federal government that has that opportunity. Because they're really not giving this corporate liability protection for the small guy. Do you really think that? Do you really think that they're trying to help with liabilities for the small guy? The small guy is shut down right now. The small guy has already gone out of business because of the federal government, not the state governments, not the local governments. Not because the school board has shut down and made your kids go on to school online. That's the smart thing to do. It's because the federal government is incompetent and run by buffoons who don't care about the working class. They don't care that you and I and maybe your family need money. We need relief. I'm like I, I keep including myself in this, but I'm I'm just pointing out that 
We all need help. Do you think it would be nice for me to, to instead of instead of uh, getting all this BS that they're going to be like, well, we actually have to give out, you know, this uh, this tax cut to the whatever. No. Wouldn't it be better if we just cut um, maybe $10,000 of student loan debt from people, give that to people that already need to spend that money. They're going to buy a car. They're going to go buy a house in this time where you have drops in consumer um, consumerism, which even if you hate consumerism, that's part of the economy. That's how we, that's how we make money. That's what our GDP is based on. We can't do this, some of this stuff without funding. And the funding comes from the federal government. So if you're mad, it's okay. Go at the federal government. Now this vaccine is not going to be distributed in time to stop this wave of cases. The cases are going to be from the two weeks from Thanksgiving. All those people that met at Thanksgiving and got together and did all this other stuff. There's so many. And we're seeing the cases now rising. Then we're going to see Christmas, which is probably going to be astronomical as well because of the people that aren't doing anything different now. I haven't left my house. This is, I mean, I'm at Koru right now where I record, but I'm at six in the morning. Nobody's here. I haven't left my house in like four days, which, yeah, that sounds pathetic, but I'm, I, I try to take this stuff seriously. And of course, we're we're all hypocrites on some level, right? We're all going to do something that somebody's going to find a problem with. But I'm trying to be thoughtful in how we address these things. I understand the struggle of a business owner who needs help. Stop blaming Tom Wolf and calling him comparing him to Hitler because he's locking down things to try to protect people from dying. I understand your business means a lot to you. I get it. But life, your grandmother's life, your parents' life, your life is important. You might not think you're at risk, but there's a, there's always a chance. Which then goes to, to what I was going to talk about when it comes to taking the vaccine. I know so many people that are, are doubting the validity of the vaccine and they're not going to take it. Well, guess what? If you don't take the vaccine and we don't have, you know, X amount of percent of the population taking it, whether it's 80%, whether it's 50%, I don't know. I'll defer that to the scientists and how we actually have to address this. If we don't hit that number, we're still going to have people getting sick and dying. So, yeah, selfishly, I will take the vaccine. Selfishly, I will be able to go outside and I will go be able to go into, you know, buildings and I can go and see my parent, my grandparent. I live at home with my parents. I don't need to. I, I can go and see my grandparents without feeling guilty if I take off my mask for a minute without feeling like I'm putting them at risk. Because I'm going to take it because that. Selfishly, I will feel okay to do certain things. Now, I'm still going to have to wear a mask in public and do all this other stuff, whatever. For everyone else, if you are doubting that, like you say, like, you know, I'm 24. So as a 24 year old, I'm rather healthy. I'm a power lifter. 
I might look like crap at 6 a.m., but I, I'm I'm probably in in the, some of the best better shape of my life, generally speaking, cardio wise, running, lifting, doing all this other stuff because that's all I can really do right now anyway. So why do I need to take it? I'm probably not at risk. Again, this is now the non-selfish part is you take the vaccine so you can protect everyone else. You wear a mask so you can protect everyone else. Me wearing a mask protects you. You wearing a mask protects me. Me taking a vaccine protects me. But it also will protect you. And it will also protect, hopefully, the spread. uh, Protect you from the spread from everybody else. Because if I have the vaccine, I'm less likely to get sick. If I don't get sick there's less chance that I can sp- spread it to you. So it's literally the social contract. And I talk about this a lot, but the social contract is this inanimate contract that we all sign on to by being a part of society, which sounds you know, very broad, which it is. It encompasses a lot, but this is what applies to taxes. It applies to all of the common good Uh, elements of a public society when it comes to vaccines yes they are part of the public good you know if you if we didn't get the vaccine for polio there would still be people with polio if we didn't get the vaccine for x y or z we'd still have x y or z kicking around but because we have the vaccines because enough people took them that most of these um, diseases are gone functionally eradicated and yes, I get that it's it's it seems like this is rushed, and it was because we needed it to be rushed. But with ninety five or ninety four or ninety six, whatever it is, percent um, success rate for these vaccines. And look, I am skeptical of pharmaceutical companies. I get it. My critique is different from a lot of these people that are doubtful of the vaccine, but my critique is that these people are profit-driven, or not even these people. These companies are profit-driven. They have shareholders, and they need that value. Again, though, the public funded these things. The United States taxpayers funded the Pfizer uh, research. It didn't fund as much the Moderna one, and it didn't fund some of the other ones as much. But we funded multiple different things. The German people funded some. The other other European countries funded some. It's the collect it's for the collective good, which it sounds simplistic, it sounds overdramatic, it sounds, you know, you know, utopian, but it is for the common good. And yes, there are potential side effects, not many, which is, again, it's pretty impressive. Um, and I'll defer again. I don't know about, um, what is it? MR, uh, RMNA or whatever. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about. Uh, some of these, uh, like the scientific parts of it, I don't. And I, that's why I'm not talking about it because I'm not going to spread fake, fake news about it. MRNA. I think that's what it is. Um, 
I'm not going to just start like spreading crap because I don't know anything about that. I don't know the science behind it. My expertise is in other areas. But for the sake of society, for the sake of our economy, for the sake of these business owners, for the sake of the workers, take the vaccine if you can. Try to limit contact with other people until you can get the vaccine. And we'll go from there. It's, um, I don't know, I don't understand the resistance to, like, fighting as a collective, fighting as a, and, I mean, I don't even know how to put it otherwise. Like, you know, if we got attacked every single day where 3,000 of our soldiers were dying, don't you think we would care more? Don't you think we would be sending everything we got at the, quote, enemy? The same LARPing a-holes, for a nice term, I guess, that are acting tough because, you know, like these, these Attilus owners and, in, uh, and it's not even the real Attilus. Like the gym owner, if you guys know what I'm talking about, like, look, I'm a power lifter, so I like this. I stay plugged in with this stuff, but it's not even the real Attilus owner. The Att- real Attilus owner doesn't even want to be associated with these guys because they're such jackasses. You're not cool. You're not cool. Nobody cares. You don't have anybody wearing masks in your, your gym and you wonder why people want to shut you down? Are you serious? Like in Doylestown, if we just had, uh, you know, gyms just, just had no regard for, which gyms are closed here. But if we had no regard at all, look, one-on-one clients, maybe that's fine, whatever. You're talking about an entire gym of people wearing not wearing masks. Get the hell out of here. You want these people comparing how many visits per cases? That's not the right metric. How many people? Your visits. Who the hell cares about visits? Look, I want to help. I want to help these gyms get back together. I want to help these restaurants get back open. We, the funding is there. It exists. It. Call your congressman. Call your senator. Make make that the, f- the freaking point. Because this vaccine's on the way. The vaccine is on the way. But you have to... I, even if I wanted it today, I couldn't get it. Even if I wanted it next week, I couldn't get it. So you have to wait until we can get enough out. We have millions and millions of doses being shipped out right now. But you need two doses. So if you have 40 million doses, which I think is what the number is right now, you're going to get 20 million people vaccinated. 20 million out of 350 million or 360 million is not enough to just be like, yep, we're done. Back to normal. No. I mean, this is, yeah, you get my point. (sighs) I'm just so tired of the LARPing. You're not cool. You're not badass for being like, yeah, dude, F Governor Wolf, I'm going to stay open. Cool, dude. 
Now you're going to get people sick. I hope you feel good. With that, I'm going <laughs> to... With that, I'm going to go to part two of the Kano show. I'm going to take a break. Um, if you guys like the show, follow the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Kano show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kano Hanlon. Hit the likes and subscribe button down below. You can hit the bell button if you're watching on YouTube and you get notifications when I go, uh, when these videos go live. Um, and yeah, I appreciate it. If you want to follow the show on Apple and Spotify, please do share the podcast with uh at least one friend and i would really appreciate it let's grow the actual audience so that we can keep spreading hopefully the uh good information hopefully that i you think i'm um, uh sending and um not just ranting about gyms (laughs) so hopefully we'll get that uh vaccine soon enough um and we're gonna take a quick break so i'll be right back welcome back to the con o show uh i appreciate you joining me today and in between uh on my break here uh which is only usually about 20 seconds uh again i i I take these breaks to uh reset my camera um, because it only can record for 30 minutes at a time. But on my quick break, I just chugged a lot of coffee. So I'm going to try to quickly get these two topics in, in this 30-minute bracket here. But I also realized that it's Wednesday, and uh, there's going to be a massive snowstorm. So I'm very glad that I got to come and record this before uh, I lose power or before I uh, I can't drive. So... If you guys really want to see more of the show, please do um, let me know and uh, send topics and send guest um, suggestions. I have a a few in mind that would be really, really cool. Uh, I've asked some people and then we'll see where that goes. With that, though, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about I'm going to dovetail this nice. I'm going to see if I can get this right. Uh to to transition right here so we're gonna do the AOC half hour and uh, <laughs> and we're gonna talk about this and not, this first part is not really related to AOC but um I, I I saw people responding to her tweeting about it about what's gonna I'm gonna talk about in a second after the Medicare for all stuff um but that is to say and multiple people were tweeting this out but we were talking about the New York Post talking about an EMT that made an OnlyFans to make enough money. Now, if you don't know what OnlyFans is, OnlyFans is a site where people can shoot private videos. And you should you you know what I mean by private videos. And they can send them to their followers and whoever. And uh, most people that are watching this probably know what, what it is already. And it's funny... I feel almost weird talking about this topic, and this is why I'm kind of forcing myself to talk about it. I feel weird talking about this because of the social taboo in regards to online, you know, pornography. And talking about this stuff because it's taboo, it's, you know, it's, why why would a politics guy talk about this? And beyond the, beyond the part where it's like, 
in 2020 do I really have to just like to explain why this is important to talk about uh a lot of people engage in this whether they admitted it or not um and I'm not really talking about any of the like content I'm really talking about the worker aspect the aspect of a system that is so broken that somebody has to do that uh work two jobs like that so let's take it piece by piece okay so first off let's take that latter part first um what kind of system has to make an emt a vital vital service a absolutely 120 percent necessary service in the united states in any system in any healthcare system what kind of system makes somebody make so little that they have to to get by during a global pandemic where they're actually probably overworked if anything make them make a um an only fans to get by what kind of system makes somebody do that a broken one i mean that's gen- like i know th- we we all know the answer why would somebody have to do that? Because obviously she and anybody else that has to work two jobs, whether they be making OnlyFans or working at McDonald's or working at the postal office. If I mean, people get seasonal jobs working as a landscaper, working. I mean, these are jobs that all individually should be making a livable wage. If you're a landscaper, you should be making a livable wage. If you're a McDonald's cashier, you should be making a livable wage. If you're a teacher, you should be making a livable wage. We have these double standards, and you can see that the coffee's kicking in right now. <laughs> we have these double standards that um, if a teacher makes an OnlyFans or you know anything in that realm, that they're a bad person. That they're, it's the social conservatism of the 1980s seeping into 2020. Look, we all know this stuff exists out there. We all know that we mostly all engage in some level of interactions with other people. I'm trying to be very non-graphic about things, but like, human nature is, is sexual nature. Like, we're all, I mean... I guess there are asexual people, but, um, for the most part, you know, everybody is, is into something. We all want to, I mean, again, I'm talking in broad strokes, but people want to find mates. They want to find families. They want to do, I mean, all of this stuff exists and it, it it's real. It's it, sometimes it's hard to talk about this stuff and on a politics show definitely is, but there's nothing wrong with engaging in it. And the social conservatism that has seeped in is overrunning people when they talk about this is pathetic. It's like, why, why even post, a, you know, I don't even know the, the, the woman's name because I don't care to know her name because it's not important. They use this like massive, massive magazine and online sharing um network to basically shame somebody for doing this is that the goal like what's the goal of making this article because 
I got news for everybody. If you are an online creator, whether that be an OnlyFans or a YouTube channel, if that's your job, you deserve to make a livable wage. If you are... And, and you know what? Like, I guess that scales. Like, you don't have to do any of this stuff. Um, however... If, especially if you're like, you know, if you're popular, like if you're a YouTuber, you should make the money that you make. You you should make based on all of the engagement you get. Same thing applies elsewhere. Now, when it comes to media, right, that's a trickier situation. Like, I don't make any money off of this. I don't even try to make money off of this um, because I have no real, I mean... It would be nice to. I don't have the the platform or the size or anything like that to do that. So I don't mean that like, oh, I should be making a livable wage from this. No. But if it's your full-time job and you make money off of it, there's nothing wrong with that. And you shouldn't be shamed because of that. I There's this weird dynamic of like, get a real job if, if this is something that you do. Um, like people say this to like, I mean, you see it on like hatred mail. If you watch David Pakman, like people tell him to get a real job. They tell, you know, every, every YouTuber to get a real job. They tell like these people comment on every little thing. If you're following someone on Instagram and whatever, this is just broadly about content creators. These people, that is their job. Like without, without engagement, without, um, uh, liking and sharing. Yeah. They wouldn't make as much money, but that is their job and we need people like that in this world because otherwise it's very bland you don't have the entertainment you don't have the uh music you don't have the arts that we have if we didn't pay for it and that's why it's like okay this woman obviously wasn't making enough as an emt so instead of instead of shaming the system that doesn't pay her enough we're gonna make an article about it and people are gonna get all up in arms because of it's an OnlyFans. I mean, if you made a YouTube channel, nobody would give a shit. Nobody would care. But it's the dynamic because we don't view sex work as work that I I mean, a lot of people don't. That way that it makes it seem like, wow, dude, like whatever. Like there's the shame to it. F that. I mean, it's so, it's so backwards. Can we just move on from like, like, why am I even have, why do I even have to talk about this? Like, why is it such a taboo topic that we have to talk about this because of some random EMT had to make this. Now I have to come on here and say, Hey, stop being idiots and complaining and uh, shaming somebody because they wanted to make enough money to get by, especially during a global pandemic. The reason why this comes in and here, I'm going to try to spin this into uh, this, the next topic, but this is where AOC comes in and just has to say like, yeah, as a congressman or a congresswoman, and there are only a few that would ever talk about some of this stuff, but sex work is work. These people are putting time and effort into it, and 
whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, there's no one forcing you to engage with it. There's no one for like, again, I don't know who this woman is. I've never looked at it. I've never done any of that engagement on that. That doesn't mean that somebody else hasn't. That doesn't mean that somebody else that has should be shamed. It's natural. We're talking about the primal senses here. And it's funny. I mean, it's funny because like, this is such a weird topic. But AOC tweets about it. And uh, we we see the backlash from from morons. And we see we see what I'm going to pivot to now. Jimmy Dore trying to pivot the conversation back on his demands, his opinion of what we should all do. Reloading on that coffee real quick. Um, Well, I'll give you the context and we'll go right into it, okay? So, this, this happened about two weeks ago. Jimmy Dore made a video basically saying, uh, and he tweeted about it. I think he tweeted first, then made a video about it, saying that certain progressive leaders should um, hold withhold their vote for Nancy Pelosi as speaker. And I've misspoken in the past uh, saying that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were technically uh, the next like speaker and majority, whatever, uh, minority leader. Um, Technically, there were like these votes and uh, it's likely that Nancy Pelosi will be. Um, but the official vote will be in January when the new Congress is sworn in. And Jimmy wanted to, and if you don't know who Jimmy Dore is, Jimmy Dore was previously uh, on the the Young Turks network. He was pretty big in like 2016, 2017, 2018. On, on that platform. And then he spun off his own. And has scorched the earth on his way out. Um, making an enemy of Anna Kasparian. Who Anna's badass. Um, she's really cool. Uh, great takes. And Anna's been moved. Like this is where. We're, we're, we are talking about like leftist online like drama. So if you're not into this I get it. But it does make. It, it, it will tie into a broader critique by the end of this uh, episode so if you don't know these people then I uh, I apologize but he has accused the Young Turks and Anna in particular of like moving further right which is funny because Anna has only moved from what I've seen further left um, before Michael Brooks had passed away um, she, she and him had a show together and they would talk about foreign policy and like all this other, all these other policies. And she was moving left out of everything, but yeah, Jimmy Dore of course is right for some reason. And you know, the TYT, I haven't watched in the last two years really. Um, but I highly, highly doubt that they've just been being taken over by like this corporate greed because they got a loan like they got financing i don't know if it was loan or financing regardless look businesses get financing if you don't like where they get the financing from fine make that the critique but i don't really think that they pivoted that much i mean jank ran for 
Congress, and it wasn't like he wasn't running on Medicare for all. Um, and Jimmy has been scorching the earth of every Democratic leader that has ever done anything good, every progressive that has worked for any sort of Democrat. He... I've never been a fan of his. Um, I've always found him to be dumb. Uh, and he utilizes the excuse that a lot of people use where it's like, well, I don't know anything about this, but like, here's my opinion. It's like the Joe Rogan excuse. And I think at least Joe Rogan doesn't talk about these things. So black and white as much, um, as much as Joe Rogan is flawed. Um, the critique that Jimmy Dore has is like, they're, they're all the same. We need a third party or we need to do something else and whatever. And he wanted to get AOC and the squad to withhold their vote for Nancy Pelosi to get a vote on Medicare for all. Okay, fine. I thought about making this video two weeks ago saying like, I don't know about that. I thought about it because think about how does the perception of Medicare for all something that is overwhelmingly popular with Democratic voters. It's actually popular with Republican voters as well. How does that appear? How does that affect the discourse when half of the Democrats in the House vote against it? Now, strategically, between insiders, if you're actually in the party, Jimmy doesn't work within the party. Jimmy is a bozo. As a chairman of a party, it would be nice. I have a Republican congressman, so it doesn't matter to me. It would be nice to know which um, which Congress people support Medicare for all, which ones don't, whatever. I get that part. We know who doesn't and who does. We know that. Think about how that would change the narrative on how it's not popular. The Democrats don't even vote for it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. On Fox News, they're going to be talking about it. On CNN, they're going to be talking about it. Oh, Medicare for all gets shot down by the Democrats. You know, what does this mean? Blah, blah, blah. And we're going to have David Axelrod coming on and talking about how, you know, Medicare for all, it's too radical, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, you know, what's next? The Green New Deal? Like, you know, all the talking heads... We'll go spinning on the failure of Medicare for all. I get it. You want to put people on the record. I understand. We as progressives need to be strategic in how we make these demands. Now, Jimmy has gone online, which is all he does, and tweets with, um, I forget the Chargers player, um, and with a lot of his followers, he's very popular. I mean, he has a lot of followers and you might like him. I don't, if you were watching the show and you, you disagree with me, that's fine. I'd never liked him. I found, I, I watched in 2016, like right when I was becoming like more politically active, 2015 watching the primaries, I found him childlike and, and I was 18. So I'm not, I don't mean to be an like a jerk, but he's such a jerk to, um, everybody online. Like he thinks he's so superior and like, 
our goal here, uh, my goal on this show is to make it like the collective stronger when we're talking about the Democratic Party, when we're talking about progressives, when we're talking about fighting for Medicare for all, for all these progressive ideals. His goal is to look cool like those gym owners I was talking about earlier and to posture himself as better than thou, above the fray, above, you know, the two-party dynamic. Without a, We talk about, on the show, the historical context of everything, right? All the time I bring up history. History has shown that this country only operates well with two parties. The democracy that we have in a presidential system, not a parliamentary system. That might be news to um, Jimmy, but we have a presidential system. That does not operate well with outside of a two-party system. Now, we could change that, but that is the demand that you have to be made. You have to make that by getting people in power. How do you get people in power? Well, let's see. You pull something like the Justice Democrats, where you primary people that aren't so good. You get AOC, you get Elhan Omar, you get Rashida Tlaib, you get Ayanna Presley, you get Jamal Bowman, you get Cory Bush. All of them are elected now. All of them are progressives. But to Jimmy, they're not good enough because they're not going to necessarily do the one thing that he wants AOC is and she said so fighting for people to be on certain committees fighting for committee chairs we're going to look at you know Bernie and this is not in the house so it doesn't necessarily apply but Bernie might be a chairman of one of the committees because he's going to be the ranking member like these things are so goddamn important If you've ever been to a municipal government meeting, which many of you might not have been, you'll see that, look, when I have a municipal uh, meeting, I run the meeting because guess what? I'm the chairman. That doesn't make me special, but that makes me in charge. Now, if we get maybe two, three chairs of different committees, that person's in charge. If we had... um, Pramila Jayapal in in charge of some one of the committees. That's pretty good. We had Katie Porter in in charge of some of these committees. I mean, or at least like a uh, vice chair or whatever, like a ranking member. Then you get these things, and you actually have the authority, the power, the ability to make change happen. Because when a bill comes, it starts in the committees. When, when, um, you have someone investigated, it goes to a committee when you have all this stuff starts in the committees. So without the civics lesson and you don't understand, and I'm not saying you, I'm talking about the people making these demands. If you don't understand the importance of committees, go to your local government, go check out why a committee is important in in, where I live. We have a pension committee. Why is that important? Because our pension is underfunded. Why do we have a pension that's underfunded? Because the pension committee has made bad decisions in the past, and now they're trying to fix them. We have new people on it. We get new ideas in. We get different leadership. We have different um, supervisors that make bad decisions and good decisions. 
those are impacted by the people on the committees. Now, in the federal government, the people on the committees are actually the elected officials. So, they matter. They really do. And getting votes on Medicare for All pales in comparison to some of these demands. Genuinely speaking, you, you we can't sell ourselves short. We need to take the power that we can get, then make some demands on other things. Jimmy has gone online and just scorched the earth with everybody. If you're you're either against him or you're with him. Because he knows the way. He is 100% right. And I could be wrong. We could we could get a vote on Medicare for all and we could it's not going to pass the house, which is bullshit to begin with. But it's not going to pass the house, but at least, you know, Maybe there are some strategic efforts there that then, okay, we're going to primary this and that and the other person. But what person has Jimmy Dore helped get elected? He didn't think that Bernie Sanders was enough. He didn't think that AOC was enough. He's not really like a, he's not more progressive than them. He just thinks that he's more pure. He is the problem. He and people like that are the problem when they say, well, I'm not getting everything, so I'm not going to vote for them. I don't like every single candidate that I vote for. Actually, I don't even like most of the candidates I vote for. I don't actually like their platform. But it is better than the alternative. And I would rather get some of the things that I like than none of the things that I like. It's a rather simple equation. Some is better than none. It really doesn't get much more complicated than that. But I ask this genuinely because I view change from the inside as important. You know, I think that the Democratic Party has to make major, major changes. But what critique has Jimmy provided and many of the people like him provided that is genuine in nature and has actually helped somebody? What kind of critique have they provided that has actually helped somebody get elected? What kind of critique has actually moved the party dynamic forward? Because again... He craps on AOC. He won't. He won't go in and say, "Well, we're gonna have to get more um, Democrats elected." No, he's gonna say like something stupid, like we gotta just get rid of the Democratic Party and make the Green Party happen and whatever. It's not logical. It's not realistic. It's not pragmatic. If you want to be pragmatic in anything that you're doing, you have to try to work within the system that exists right now. Now, again, I want to change the systems that we're in, but I want to change them from the inside because that's the easiest. That's the most pragmatic way. It's the most possible way. If we want to get rid of profit-driven um, healthcare system, 
We want to enter the 21st century. The way to do it isn't complaining on Twitter. Because I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Twitter isn't real life. YouTube isn't real life. Facebook isn't real life. Social media isn't real life. Reddit is not for real life. Uh, 4chan is not real life. Go and talk to people and you will realize how different opinions every single person has. Every single person has the opinion that or has an, an opinion on every single thing basically. And to just assume that you are 100% right. And again, I'm on a podcast where I just basically tell you my opinions. So obviously I think I'm partially right on some things, but I have the wherewithal to know that it most of what I'm saying is an opinion. I think that there's empirical data to back up some of the stuff that I'm saying, at least, you know, some of the things you can't necessarily, it's, they are opinions, but we can't just rely on, oh, everyone agrees with us. So this is it. No, you go knock some doors, go make some phone calls, actually campaign. Hey, Jimmy and fans. If you and uh, Jimmy thought that Tulsi Gabbard was better than Bernie Sanders for president. Now get the hell out of here with that crap. Are you serious? Well, look, Elizabeth Warren is better than Tulsi Gabbard. And, 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 and of course he's going to say she's not enough. So if you think this is such a problem, you run for office. You get candidates to run for office. You get them to run as a third party. You get them on the ballot. You figure that stuff out. Because it doesn't, that, that party system, that party dynamic, that helps people get elected, whether you like it or not. And I would rather change one of the parties that actually is supposed to be representing the working class people, people of all backgrounds, all religions, all colors, all creeds, because that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way that the, the Democratic Party is supposed to be. The one that passed things like Social Security, Medicare. And we'll, we'll move it on to Medicare for all. And we'll expand Social Security. All that good stuff. But you actually have to do something to get there. So with that, this is the end of the Con O show for today. I did squeeze it in within 30, 30 minutes. And we're going to get really close to that. But thank you guys so much for watching. You can follow us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Con O Show. Me. On Twitter at Con O'Hanlon. Hit that subscribe button down below. Hit the like button down below. And follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much for watching. I will see you next time. Stay safe. Peace. <laughs>